Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and... Me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And on the turntable this week, we've got Trip the Light Fantastic by Sophie Ellis-Bexter. And Trip the Light Fantastic, we will through this one. There are some real belters through this album. Absolutely. So, Sophie Ellis-Bexter, mother of five... Yep. Married to Richard Jones, um, guitarist from The Feeling. He's also part of her current band when she performs, when she tours as well. He's a busy boy. Uh, beg pardon? He's a busy boy. <laughs> He's a busy boy. Uh, is that reference to the five kids or the multiple guitaring duties? Well, he's, he's busy in every which way. And Dan, why are we talking about this album this week? If you can quite believe it, you know the lead single, Catch You, a fantastic song, I'm sure we'll go into more depth. 12 years ago today that was released as a single. I think we've said this many weeks, but doesn't it make you feel... You're terribly young. The passage of time, the passing of time when we do some of these episodes. So this was, yeah, quite right. 2007, 2007, a good year for pop music. Great year. Uh, This is the third studio album by Sophie. Uh, Dan, can you remember the previous two? So uh, I can remember the one before was uh, Shoot From The Hip. We've all got those nice little um, sayings, if you will. I mean, shoot from the hip, trip like fantastic. The first one, was it Murder on the Dance Floor? Is that the no, other? I'll put you out of your misery. It was Read My Lips. Oh, of course, because on the cover she had the red lips. Yes. Black and white. Um, and I guess Sophie's career has peaked and troughed a few times over the years. She's still with us now. She's got a new album, The Song Diaries, out this year. Already a couple of tracks available on that. Yes, it's a orchestral reworking, isn't it, of, of, our, of our hits. Yes, um, and it kind of it, it comes after probably a couple of more kind of less um, music for the dance floor and more music for well maybe music for a different sort of dance floor. Trip the Light, Fantastic, and Make a Scene are my two favourite Sophie albums. Uh, Make a Scene came was the following album. I say following album, but it was four years later. Uh, but this was probably the pinnacle for me. And it was actually four years before this one when she did Shoot from the Hip, so she's never kind of rush-released them, has she? And she just always seemed to have lots going on elsewhere. She's lots of other projects, like Strictly, Pushing Out Babies as well. And, and of course, she's a famous mother, but she's a very famous daughter as well. She is, and I hope this would come up, Janet Ellis, who was one of the, not to give away my age, I probably have done in previous weeks, but she was one of the Blue Peter presenters du jour when I was a kid, when mm. I was very young. Um, and there's a real similarity when you look at Janet Ellis. I was just leafing back through my Blue Peter annuals last time I was at home. She looks so like her mum um, when she was younger. Oh no, Janet looks so like Sophie does now when she was younger. You've confused me successfully. <laughs> but you get what, I, get, what I'm, get what I'm angling at. Yes, I do, yes. Uh, it was Katie Hill for me was the, uh, the female Blue Peter presenter that I remember. From, from my day. Uh, so this album, Trip the Light Fantastic, it um, it didn't set the charts on fire. It was top 10 in its first week, but then it very quickly um, uh, rescinded back through the uh, higher echelons of the album charts. But let's um, let's not dwell on that because it's, um, I'm a big fan of Sophie Ellis-Pexter. I think she's, um, she's a lovely lass. She's a hard worker, a mum, a songwriter, um, a performer... And she really puts the hours in. Yeah. Okay. And she seems to have a lovely time doing it. Every time I've seen her live, um, she's having an absolute ball. Yeah, I think what you what you do get from her is that whether it's 
some of her albums might do phenomenally well and uh, some not so much, but you get the impression that she's put her heart and soul into everyone and she's proud of everyone. And yes, yeah, as you say, she has a ball. I've been lucky enough to see her at festival and we saw her at the Mighty Hooper a couple of years ago. And yeah, she just looks like she's she's uh, very passionate about what she does. Music gets the best of her, you could say. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> well done. Right, let's dive in before we hear any more of this um, with uh, side one, track one, and uh, this is Catch You. So a very happy birthday there to Catch You. 12 years old. I don't know why I'm talking a bit like a local radio DJ today. That was Catch You, Sophie Ellis Just, just today? <laughs> no, that's rude. This was a great comeback. It um, was. This is a classic how you should do a comeback single after four years away to lead into a new album. I wholeheartedly agree, I think. It's definitely a Sophie Ellis Bexter track, but there's so much more energy in this one, it feels like. I feel like it's much... Obviously, the, the song is called Catch You, and it almost feels like a running song, this one, I think. I really enjoy how it starts with the guitar, and you feel like, okay, this is something a bit edgier, but maybe a bit rockier than what we're used to with Murder on the Dance Floor and the kind of 80s feel of the second album. But then, as it gets going, these all these synth and electronic effects come in, but I think it's actually the rockiness of it that's, that provides the tempo of it, that keeps it going, uh, and feels like a, a sprint, almost. And no wonder it's so good when you've got two members of the pop royal family of writing and production involved stock aiken oh not walterman then no stewart no no <laughs> um kathy dennis co-wrote this with greg kirsten and reese barker so kathy dennis wonderful uh pop star in her own right back yes. in the day and has been holding the pen on some of your favorite songs since absolutely and i, I think well i know actually a hint of a tease here that there's um few episodes coming up over the rest of, well, spread across the year where her name will be mentioned. The Kathy Dennis episode. (laughs) (laughs) Greg Kirsten as well, producer, and we joke about Stuart Price a lot, but actually we'll probably come through the coming months and years to talk about as many albums that Greg Kirsten's had a hand in as Stuart Price has had a hand in. I remember this song um, 12 years ago. I didn't have an iPhone at the time, unfortunately, Um, but I did have this big old Nokia brick thing with a big screen that was like some sort of, you know, it was a newer version of a phone. And it's the first time I remember that I could go and buy songs through my phone. And this is one of the songs that I bought. But I only had, I think I got, through my phone contract, I got five free songs every month. And this was one of them. And this was one of them, but I only bought the five. I didn't spend any more. So throughout that month or months afterwards I was just playing this song a lot Mutia Buena's uh, Real Girl was another one that was purchased at the time let's crack on then straight away into track number two uh, Me and My Imagination
so me and my imagination there. What a fun song. Very fun. And also that title for me is a very Sophie respects title, Me and My Imagination. It just feels like something very whimsical. Quite a, a quip she'd come up with. I imagine she's the kind of artist, and I like it when people do this, who sometimes scribbles down a, a title before the track's even written. She's probably got a little spiral-bound notebook in the front pocket of her pushchair. I would imagine, yeah. With the pen with a lovely fluffy flamingo on the end or something. Either that or one of the pens that can be blue or red or black or green. Sophie, if you are listening... We'd love to know... Is it a Parker? Or a... Um, a Bic. A Bic. Do um, you know, I used to wonder when I was younger if Bic... It's the same company that make, made the razors and the pens. Mm. I think it probably is. That's probably a subject for a different podcast. Uh, how it's made, the yeah. podcast. Do you watch that show? Uh, I have seen bits of it, yeah. yeah. I can't, I'm, not a, I'm not a regular, but... Um... The, one that, the one I watched that always stuck in my memory was one where they made wigs. Oh, really? Yeah. Was that one you've got on now? Was that featured in the episode? No, I actually had this one hand-woven from real human hair. Your own? Uh, no, um, from a close friend. Oh, who's since passed? No, who's since bald. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm a big fan of this one. I like how it sort of it's, it slows things down from Catchu because Catchu is a real sort of punch in the face to start the album off, isn't it? And this is certainly it's an, it's not a ballad by any means. It's not beat number, but it's more of that classic disco that we're used to with Sir Phyllis Baxter and. More so the first album than the second album. And the strings throughout that are very, very nice as well. And there were some remixes on the single. One of the remixes was a Tony Lamenza radio mix. And if you know who he is, you know who he is. And you're listening to the right podcast. And you're definitely listening to the right podcast. So track three, and just one thing that I'd like to point out, the classic thing she's done here is track one was single one, track two was single two, and yes, you've guessed it, track three was single three. And it's today the sun's on us. So that was Today the Sun's on Us, and a bit more mid-tempo. Yeah, not only for the album, but actually for her whole discography, excluding the more recent albums, I think. this was, It feels very much like a indie ballad, doesn't it? Sort of soft rock, almost. Yes. And actually, if you look at... So we've got a different uh, co-writer with this one. This was written with uh, Steve Robson and Nina Woodford. Steve Robson... Uh, he's done a lot of work with Take That since they got back together. And I think you can really hear that arguably Radio 2 indie ballad soft rock thing there. That that sounds, it's not um, it's not a million miles from that, is it? But if you go right back to what Steve Robson used to do, there's some real gems in there. So going way back now to sort of the late 90s, early noughties of pop. And he played a hand in uh, things by Honey's Atomic Kitten, Hearsay, oh. Aurora's The Day It Rained Forever, and also Ultimate Chaos and Ultra. I remember both of them, actually. And we were thinking, actually, weren't we? Am I allowed to say what we were thinking of doing later in the year? Give a hint of a tease? Well, yes, actually, yeah. Uh, and listeners, let us know what you think of this. We're thinking of doing a shit boy band month. Uh, a celebration of those shit boy bands who perhaps had a, a story to tell. 
We've already got a couple that will definitely want to be part of that, but I think we're very open to suggestions for some yes. of the other for the other two weeks. And don't go getting clever and and submitting take that or people like that because it won't wash with you. No. Track number four now, and we're getting in a plane flying across the Atlantic to admire New York City lights. So that was New York City Lights there. Uh, Sophie's love letter to New York. Yes. Have you been to New York? I have. I'm going to go going back again in April, actually, for the second time. Is there going to be a break from track by track then? No, because I'm sure we will make sure we're well covered while I'm away. Well, yes, Cook is actually going to step in and <laughs> co-present with me during that week. Very kind of her. No, we'll do a transatlantic episode, I think. Um, we need to feature a band that has members in... America and the UK, so we could do Fleetwood Mac, could do the Power Station, I'm sure there are more we could do. But none that spring to mind at the moment. So, really good song, really enjoy the pace of that one, and the constant repeating of the lyrics all the way through. I really love the repetition of, let's do and feel and touch and taste it. Just the relentless energy of it, kind of like walking around New York as well, where you want to do everything, feel everything and taste everything. Yes. And I have to say, talking of New York City lights, obviously you've been there before yourself, so you'll know Times Square, the lights there. I didn't really understand what light pollution was until I went there, and that is just a phenomenal amount of light, isn't it? I think going the first time we got to New York, within the first half an hour, we thought, let's go to Times Square, and it's 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 so bright. It wouldn't surprise me if you can see that from space. I expect you probably could. Unlike... The Great Wall of China, because that's a myth. So on writing duties and producing duties, um, alongside Sophie, we've got um, Matt Rowan and Richard Biff Stannard. So Stannard and Rowe are, again, very, very well known and well respected in the pop music writing world. I mean, I see Richard Biff Stannard and I think Spice Girls straight away. Yeah, there we go. Bang. (laughs) Nothing else to say. <laughs> so the fourth track, and we've had a Sophie and a different combination of writers and producers on each track so far. And not to give the game away, but that is going to pretty much continue until uh, about track nine, track ten. Um, I think we've got a couple of... So Jeremy Wheatley and, and Brio Taliaferro have done five tracks on the album. Oh, did you say producers, sorry? Well, I was talking about everything, everything. Everything, everything. No, that was last week. Shall we? Let's move on. Dive into the next one. It, it could have been a single, actually, this one. If I Can't Dance. If I can't dance, and it almost—I can almost imagine um, a massive synchronized dance routine to this. We tried, didn't we, just then, in, when we listened to that track to make that happen? But you're a little bit off. I fell over the shredder. 
but it is a fantastic song. This, I think, is in the same vein as Get Over You, which was... Which came when her first album, Read My Lips, was re-released with a few extra tracks. I think it's still, it's got that kind of, it's, it's electro-pop, it's very synth-led, but it's almost got a bit of a, like a balearic undercurrent going on there, I feel. I really like the bleeping after the chorus. Yeah. Again, our technical knowledge, we need to get Paul back, don't we, to tell us what that sound is. Yeah, so you could probably let us know what that synth was called. We'll just say it was called Norris, for example. <laughs> I just think about what is Norris from Coronation Street when you said that. He looks more like a member of Kraftwerk, I think. <laughs> and I like that lo-fi intro. He kind of starts very very tinny, very echoing, and the, the, the modern production comes in. Uh, great, great fun. And I, I was thinking about synchronised dance like a strictly couple's dance or like a dance competition mm. almost the music video could be that's murder on the dance floor uh, mm. <laughs> that's why it's so familiar but <laughs> great big dance wonderful i mentioned before it played that this could have been a single it was lined up by all accounts to be the fourth single um, and ended up being released as a promotional single but was included on the soundtrack to centrinians oh, the hit film centrinians yes well it must have been good because they made another one with uh, Sarah Harding in a leading role. And she also, I think we covered this in The Girls and Ugly, but she also sung some songs produced by Xenomania for the soundtrack. Yes. Next one. This is The Distance Between Us. Probably the closest thing we'll get to a ballad. Yes, and also one of the closest things Sophie's ever done to a, a pop ballad. I'm excluding, again, I'm excluding the last two albums because they're a bit more folksy and a little bit more acoustic. But as a pop song, yeah, a rare ballad moment. Sort of electro ballad. Yeah. Electro pop ballad. And what are your thoughts on it? It's lovely. Oh, so glad. Did you think I was going to say this is a fantastic time? I did worry because we've said various times that you're not the biggest ballad fan, but I think this is this is not your typical ballad, is it? It's got a lot of heart and a lot oh, of energy to it. very melancholic as well, and regular listeners will know that I love that. You're Mr. Melancholy yourself. Yes. I love the production of this one. I love that whole... It's got a bit of a almost 50s doo-wop kind of feel. I could imagine if there was a music video doo-wop. to this one. A doo-wop. <laughs> If you will, <laughs> I can imagine if there was a music video to this one, um, a sort of American uh, prom with the mirror ball spinning in the room. Uh, this was written and produced by Liam Howe, um, who you might know if you're a fan of the Sneaker Pimps from the 90s. Six Underground is a fantastic song. L- yeah, wonderful. He's gone on to uh, um, write and produce for the likes of um, Eddie Goulding, Lana Del Rey. Marina and the Diamonds. Mm. And I think in more recent years, he's gone on to kind of a little bit away from that poppier sound when he's working with um, Jesse Ware, Kyla Lagrange and Nilufer Yanya. So lovely electropop ballad there. Moving on now, we're on to track number seven. And we're very much still in melancholy territory with this track, but in a quite a different way. This is If You Go. My life, my dreams, my everything is all yours. 
So if you go there, and you mentioned just before that little clip that it's a little bit more melancholy, but in quite an energetic way, I think. I, I mentioned balearic before. I don't think we've used that word in the entirety of this podcast, but I'm going to use it again. I think the drums give it a real kind of uh, holiday feel, if you will. And the clap. The clap as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It no. isn't Benidorm. Um <laughs> But as in the accompaniment in the song. <laughs> yes. Where would that have come from? Do you know who, who she worked with? Well, this was uh, a Xenomania production um, co-written by the Holy Trinity of Brian Higgins, um, Randa Cooper and Tim Powell. Dream team. Dream team. And probably at the height of their success. And their, they were very much the beating heart of pop music in 2007. And this is my favourite track on the album. Is it really? Yeah. That's um, that is a surprise to me. Not because it's Xenomania, because I know how big a fan you are of theirs. But then again, it's one of those albums. Where it's got a lot of pop gems on here, hasn't it? Oh, there's so much to choose from. It's a, t- a tough choice actually choosing a, a favorite track on this album. What's quite sad actually is that this is the only track they've done together. I was just thinking actually, I'd love to hear. I'm sure she recorded other tracks with them in the sessions mm. um, for recording for this album be lovely to have a rifle through their um, demo bin. Yes. Or the demo off-cuts. folder. And just to see. Uh, and, I, and I wonder actually how many songs had been in demo form sung by other artists that they worked with as well. I mean, we've mentioned it before, but though, I'd love to hear some of those Franz Ferdinand things that came up. Mm. And I'll tell you who else worked with them. That New Order? Yes, New Order. They didn't like it. No, it didn't go well. Uh, right, so track number eight now, and this is only one. Dan, what do you think? I think that song is a lot of fun. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just think the whole, how that chorus plays out and with the, the, the backing vocals as well, it's, it's just a hell of a lot of fun. I also think that it wouldn't, it's not a million miles away from some of the sounds on uh, Familia, from our recent album. How about oh, you? I think it's a fantastic oh. time. No, it's a great time to talk about the fantastic artwork on this album. Right, you are. And, um, I mean, it's all about Sophie, isn't it, on the album? So it's a close-up of the left-hand side of her face. She's got lovely, silky, sheeny black hair and fuchsia, bright fuchsia lipstick with a lovely sky-blue turquoise eyeshadow. Um, and she's pu- pulling a very sultry look. She has got a, a model's face, hasn't she? In that? Yeah, she's beautiful. She's like a porcelain doll. Yes. It's lovely. I'm going to take us back to the track, actually, because um, while I understand that's where you want to talk about the artwork. That's fine. I think it's very important that we actually talk about the co-writer of this song, Dan Gillespie-Sells, a.k.a. the frontman of The Feeling. Now, are you a fan of The Feeling? Yes, and I remember seeing The Feeling. I've seen them perform a few times now. The last time I saw them, they were... Uh, Glastonbury in one of the fields in a smaller tent. Uh, it was the Bruce Forsyth Lulu tent they were in. Avalon. Avalon, thank you very much. 
and Sophie came out as a surprise guest and performed with them. What a treat! Because they have recorded, obviously, they've done with their close uh, personal relationships that go through Sophie and the feeling. Well, just one member particularly. Uh, they've done lots of things together, haven't they? But there's, I think, just one song that they've actually recorded and released on a feeling album, and that. Was that the one that they did? Yes, and I can't remember anything else from that. Not like New Order and New I just can't remember. Also, Dan Gillespie Sells had a hand in Everybody's Talking About Jamie. The musical, which is fantastic, I have to say. And I believe his partner was the first actor, because I know it's changed recently, was the first actor to play Jamie. Yes. So when I say he had a hand in it, he wrote a lot of the songs. Right. Or all of them, even. But... It's not the only track written with Dan, so let's move on to track number nine. I was going to say track number two then. Track number nine, Love Is Here. My love, darling, I was made for you. Never will this was Love Is Here and I heard a familiar voice on backing vocals in that song really who was that it was Dan Gillespie Sales oh right sorry because this is the second track on the album that he co-wrote with Sophie and I wonder if his other half aka the first Jamie was in the background as well it's it's not impossible it's not impossible although 2007 was a long time ago oh do you think he's younger I think he is younger. I'm not going to cast any more aspersions on what might have happened in that recording studio I think we should swiftly Talk about the track. It's it's a nice song, isn't it? It's very it's very nice. It's very sweet. Definitely an album track, isn't it? Yes, yes. definitely an album track. It's it's got that hint of disco again, which is very familiar. Familiar, not from familiar. <laughs> familiar with Sophie's sound. Yes, but it, it's it might have been my moment to talk about the album artwork. Well, let's move swiftly on because what I love about this album is it's not even starting to run out of steam with these next couple of tracks. So, track number ten is New Flame. Flame, and that is the second track on the album that's been co-written with Dimitri Tikovoy. Tikovoy? Tikovoy. Tikovoy. And the other being If I Can't Dance, um, which we talked about almost being the fourth single. I think what you can definitely hear in the influence that Dimitri brings to it is a bit of a darker sound. And I think when you look at some of the other acts he's worked with, it becomes quite clear why that is. He has worked with people including The Horrors, um, Gary Newman, Charlie XCX more recently, um, Ian Brown. So I think he's bringing... Nicola Roberts. Has he worked with Nicola Roberts yeah. as well? Oh, wow. So I think he's definitely bringing a bit more of that, not quite gloomy, but a, a more brooding edge to the to the tracks. It is a little bit brooding, isn't it? Mm. I love the pace of it. There's a real energy flowing through that track. But it is also his last appearance on the album. We're getting towards the end now, and there's so many... People taking part, we do have to say goodbye. It's like a big brother eviction, this almost. <laughs> Dimitri is it's off taxis now. outside, the Uber's here. Yes, he's been fired. 
<laughs> On to track number 11 now, and this is China Heart. second favourite track on the album. And what I love about this is how we're at track 11 now. Sometimes the album could be petering out. This is, likewise, one of my favourite songs on the album. Petering out is petering in. Yes. I, I When I first had this album, well, way many years ago, I thought this was a Xenomania track, actually. It does sound a little bit like them, but actually it's produced by Pascal Gabriel, um, who's done loads of stuff um, for some... Th- People that I used to absolutely love, like Lady Hawk, uh, Little Boots, Kylie, Natalie and Brunia, Rachel Stevens, etc., etc. The list goes on. And what I love about that is uh, some of those, like this track and Little Boots and Kylie that he's worked with, all very electronic. But he also co-wrote Here With Me by Dido, which is a completely different sound, isn't it? Oh, I think he's a very rich man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I absolutely. It's, for me, this one, it's more about that production and... I think we've mentioned the last couple of songs, you know, they feel like album tracks and there's nothing wrong with that. This feels like it could have been a single, I think. Mm, Definitely. It feels very grand. It's, um, I think this almost could be produced by Trevor Horn and Giorgio Moroder together. I think it's got the grandness of Trevor Horn. Grandeur. Yes. It's got those little uh, hints of male choral samples akin to It's a Sin. But also, it's the electronics that are very, very playful within it. Feel like something like Never Ending Story, which Giorgio Moroder produced. Um, so yeah, I think it's a fantastic song. I think it's it really is a single that got away. Now we're on to the last track of the album. As was often the case around this time, there were several versions and several bonus tracks. But we're going to be true to our word, stick with the album proper. So this one is what have we started? What have we started? So that was the final track, What Have We Started? And I think, in terms of final tracks, that was lovely. It's lovely. It's definitely slowing things down. And I think uh, an album can either leave you, you know, go out on a bang and really leave you wanting more, or it can slow it down a little bit and close that book. And I think it does slow it down. It closes the book, but in a really fitting way. And I have to say, although we're not covering them today... Um, the extra two tracks on the UK bonus edition, the original tracks that I remixes, Can't Have It All and Supersonic are definitely worth checking out. And I would recommend Can't Have It All if you had to pick one of the two. I can't believe I didn't know this. Supersonic was written, co-written by Fred Schneider of the B-52s. Really? I, why the hell aren't we? Right, the new rule is we're doing the bonus tracks every week. <laughs> no, I'm going to listen to that in my free time and listeners, I invite you to do the same. When you're off the clock. Yes. So that's the last track proper. 
it's time for some further listening. And I think today the parameters for our further listening is uh, are anything from Sophie Ellis Baxter. Yes. So, Dan, I'd love to invite you to share your anything first. Thank you. So, I am going to go to album number two, when Sophie was a blonde and seemingly having more fun. This one is Mixed Up World. Love that song when it came out. So great choice. Thank you. Likewise, you know, it was the first single that we'd had from Sophie, the first bit of music we've had since her debut. And obviously that was, I mentioned before, it was re-released with extra tracks. We were really waiting for a new sound. And I think it's definitely very Sophie Lispector, but very 80s. Very 80s. I loved, probably the start of that more electronic, less of disco, more electronic evolution that she had over the subsequent three albums yes this one was likened to by some critics to Pet Shop Boys may or may not come as a surprise well I raised an eyebrow there because I didn't can't hear it hmm pop that eyebrow back down please but yeah I think it's a fantastic song I can't say that I know this album that it came from terribly well uh, but I think this was a fantastic first single and did make me very excited for much more of Sofa Spectrum in my life Well, over to you. What is your further listening choice? So I've jumped a little bit ahead. I've gone for a collaboration Sophie did with the Freemasons. Okay. And this is Heartbreak Brackets Make Me a Dancer. my breath after that we were really Ooh, going for it dizzy dinosaurs in the office just then that's definitely um it's definitely a freemasons track isn't it their own brand of very chart friendly house disco house music this was this fir- this track first came to life in around 2008 um so to say it's from her the make a scene album is stretching it was featured on the album but that album was released in 2011 Mm. and this track as a single was released a long time before then because i think it was originally released um in promotion of the freemasons album rather than say the specs's album yes but it stuck around for a long time i mean it's insanely catchy it's you know it's very infectious as well I feel like for a lot of people, more maybe more for casual Sophie Lispector fans, this is a favourite of theirs, even though it's not technically her song. I think this is the one that a lot of people go to. And I think what's great about that is that, of course, her solo career began with uh, her featuring on Spiller's Groove Jet, If This Ain't Love. So, Which was a dance song of a sound very much of that time. And I think this yes. is a dance song of a sound very much of this time. And who can forget that chart battle? Yes, uh, Victoria Beckham with the True Steppers. Yep. Versus Spillo Groove Jet featuring SEB. Yep, and uh, SEB came out on top. 
and we haven't actually mentioned it, but I just love she's got such a unique voice that when when you hear a record, even if you're not familiar with it, you know it's her. Definitely, it. it's wonderful. She hasn't got. I don't think she'd mind me saying she hasn't got the biggest vocal range of any vocalist out there, but she's got something very unique, and that actually counts for more, I think. And its final thing to say about Heartbreak Maybe a Dancer, it's. I'm I'm really glad it was such a success because off the back of that she then collaborated again with the Freemasons um, on the track Bittersweet, um, which is almost as good. Do you know what that one isn't playing in my head right now? I maybe need to go and do my research. It's got it's, it's very much sort of house, dancey pop, but it's almost got a bit of an eighties twang to it. Mm. So um, we'll take that offline. <laughs> for now but that's it we've come to the end of Sophie Ellis Bexter not her life again <laughs> she's still very much alive oh no hopefully if someone hopefully no one tunes in just to that specific <laughs> bit and thinks something's happened um, she's still going strong new album coming out um, just had a fifth child um, and Sophie thank you for the music what a wonderful life she must have oh she, she lives very comfortably mm. so that's the end of this one but weirdly we're going to be back tomorrow. Yes. So it's the big day tomorrow. It's the Brit Awards. Huge mark in the musical calendar. And we're going to be back tomorrow with a special episode. For the first time, we're not running through an album track by track. Uh, what are we doing, Will? Uh, we're going to be talking about the, t- the five nominations for Album of the Year. And it's more of a lighter touch on five different albums rather than going into depth. But we're still going to be talking about tracks. And I have to say, a little bit more research required from us for tomorrow's podcast um, isn't there. Yes, I think my bedtime reading will be the, uh, the CD inlays for these albums. So that's coming up tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, let us know what you thought. So yeah, at Moves to Trash UK on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a follow, give us a like, give us a retweet. And please take some time, if you enjoy what you're listening to, to rate us. Um, and leave a little message for us on... Uh, on Apple Podcasts. It's always lovely. But you can also find us on Spotify. And Acast as well. A new one. New platform for the new year. Until next time, I've been Janet Ellis. And I've been Sophie Ellis. Vexter. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.